you so much. I'm so glad you're here today and so glad you're watching online today. And I want you to keep your Bibles open to 2 Samuel 19. Now, one of the things that we do if you're new today in our church or you're new joining us today, we have a practice of kind of walking through books of the Bible most of the time. And there's great value in that because when you, when you get into a book of the Bible, you have to, you have to get into the details. And, and there's things you just can't overlook and, and experiences you can't help but feel as, as you're in a book, especially like the book of Samuel. Now, in the, in the original languages, the, the first and second Samuel were really gathered together as one book. So really, since January, we've been kind of walking through this story of, of Saul and now David. And, and, you know, there's some important lessons for us to learn. And I, and I really think today's message is very, very important for us. And so I hope that you engage with us today through the Word because, you know, it's human nature that we rarely change until our pain kind of becomes greater than the fear of change. We're seeing this in our culture even now. Um, we don't always change when we see the light, do we? We change when we feel the heat. That's when change happens, right? And, and, and what I've discovered about the Lord is that, is that he's really good at getting our attention. And I believe that right now in the church, in the world that God is really good at getting our attention. Because I found in my own journey, my own walk with the Lord, that, that a lot of times God uses crisis to get my attention. I mean, there are crises that happen, and, and, I, and all of a sudden, you know, people, that, they have this interesting idea. They think, well, if a crisis happens, where's the Lord? I, I find in my own life that when crisis happens, God is clear. <laughs> he speaks. Uh, sometimes God um, gets our attention through confrontation. Uh, there have been times in my life, in my walk with the Lord, that confrontation has happened and God's used it to help me understand what to do and how to live. Sometimes God uses catastrophe to get our attention. Um, and I find that, that, that one, in my walk with the Lord, I've discovered through my 49 years on the earth and, and walking with the Lord for most of that time as I've come to know, know Christ at eight years of age, um, that, that, that God is faithful. Like we just sang, he helps us fight our battles. That, that God, what he does, even in the midst of chaos and catastrophe in life, God walks us through those times. And that's the joy of knowing the Lord, is that, is that he helps fight our battles. He helps us know him and understand uh, that he's, he's, he's present in our lives. And, and one of the things that I think is important for us to do is to be honest about our mistakes. Because when you look at David at this time in chapters 19 through 21, though we're really going to look at just 19 today, we're kind of in that 19 through 21 part of 2 Samuel. And, and, and when you read these chapters, here's what echoes through these chapters. What, what echoes through, the, uh, through all of these, this narrative and this story, it's David's sin. David's sin echoes through it all. Because in many ways, David brought this catastrophe on himself. And, and, and you hear this echo of his sin as you get into the yuckiness of David's experience here. You also hear this echo of Nathan the prophet 
In, in 2 Samuel 12, uh, it's interesting because uh, Nathan says to David, look, because of your sin with Bathsheba, th- there is going to be turmoil in your household. And if you were with us last week, we're seeing this lived out because Absalom has just died. And what's interesting is you get to chapter 19, um, you see you cannot escape David's failure as a father. In this chapter, in this, these, this section of Samuel, he's failed as a father. He has failed as a leader. He has failed morally. And David is in the middle, and he's stuck in his sin. And you know, there are times that, that we're that way. We, we get stuck because of the decisions we make and the choices we make. Now, we've got to remember the importance of 2 Samuel, how you interpret this passage, because this passage is best interpreted to a we, not a me. Now, now this is a, story, a, a message to the people of God. And here's what, what, why I think it's perfect for us to be in the middle of this book, especially right now. Because the people of God must walk with the Lord. We must be a people that are, are living in submission to the voice of God. And, and David's struggles in his life came about because he rebelled against the Lord. And I think about how our world would be different if God's people just acted like God's people. If God's people get right with him. And, and I think this is perfect for us to study as we look at the chaos in our world. Look at verse 19, or excuse me, chapter 19, verse 1. It says this, And it was told Joab, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. Now, now what's interesting is David just won. The king has just been reestablished. But what's the king doing? He's weeping. He's broken. So the victory that day turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard that day the king is grieving for his son. And the people stole into the city that day as people who steal in who are ashamed as they flee in battle. The king covered his face and the king cried with a loud voice, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Now, when I think about why God has us here, because I've wrestled with this cultural um, climate that we are in. And I have wrestled, man, should we just shift gears and, and just deal with um, what's happening in the news? Or should we just stay right here in Samuel? And, and as I have wrestled through these passages, I'm like, God knew what he was doing to have us as a church body right here in 2 Samuel. So we're going to let God speak. Because when I think about the craziness of our world, this book is perfect for us because, because David's time in the book of Samuel, it paints this honest picture of the ups and downs of God's people. It's, it's this mirror to our society as, as, you, as you see God's people that are standing in desperate need of the Lord. And that's where we are right now. We are in desperate need of the Lord to move in our lives and to guide us. And and in this book, you see these sexual um, uh, failures, these uh, betrayal, corrupt leaders, rebellious children. You see all these things going on. And and really, when you look at David, David is contributing to this chaos by his willful sin. And what I think is important for us and one of the lessons that, 
that I pray we take away from this book of Samuel is that we, all of us in this room, and I know that sometimes First Baptist churches are seen as those places that, oh, well, y'all are, y'all are people that like think you got it all together. Folks, we are not. We are a people who stand in need of the grace of God. We are a people that are, we don't have it all together. But God is working in us. We have all failed in this room. And, and you know, when I look at this, this, is, this shows God's people how they stand in need of sanctification. Now, that's a big theological word, but, but we need to grow up in our faith. And we, all of us in this room, if you are a believer in Christ, we all stand in need of sanctification. We need the Lord to teach us and lead us and grow us. And that's where David is. And, and it's important that we catch this. And I pray that we as the people of God, that we come to this moment where we say, Lord, you are the creator. And your plan is the best plan. But so often, we, even as believers, rebel against the voice of God. And I pray that we, as a, as a church family, understand the book of Samuel and recognize the, the, the incredible value of learning to submit to the Lord and to his ways. And this is, what, this is why God put this gory, uncomfortable narrative in his word for us to learn for generations all through history, so that we would recognize that disobedience to God is destructive for us, even as believers. And I, and I pray that we hear today's message. Because you, know you know what the point is today? If I'm going to summarize it, I believe God is teaching us how to deal with our own failures, how to, how to recognize that, that God helps us clean up our past. Look, we all have a past, don't we? We all have failures, don't we? We've all been like David and have, and have tripped ourselves up. And we deal with our past. And this is where David is. This is the, the point today. And, and one of the things that I've, as I've been in the middle of this, how important it is for us to understand that David, he does several things that we need to understand. As, and God's people keep doing this, and we need to follow the example. They keep coming to the Lord in the midst of their junk, in the midst of their failures, even though they've, they've, they've weaved their own web here. And it's a mess. They keep coming to the Lord, and guess what God does? He helps them. They keep coming to the Lord, and guess what God does? He brings people around them to help. And this is why even when we make mistakes, God is gracious, and God helps us. And so here's, here's what I want us to wrestle through today. How do we overcome failures in our past? Point number one is this. To overcome past failures, you confess your faults to God. See, it's interesting to me because so often we have this idea that, that look, if Satan is the enemy that we have in the spiritual battle, he makes us feel like, look, you've messed up. You, you don't deserve to go to the Lord. But let me tell you, when you feel conviction, when you feel this struggle, going to the Lord is the best 
place to go. And this is what I want us to learn how to do. Even when we fail, even when we trip ourselves up, let's not stop going to the Lord. And that's what David does all through the Psalms. And, 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 and here's what, what happens when you think about um, over and over again, you see the life of David. He, he, he keeps going to the Lord, pleading for mercy, asking for help. And guess what God does? He helps him. Even in the echo of the mistakes, of the consequences, um, God helps David deal with his own guilt. And folks, let me tell you something. We're going to feel guilty at times. And we've got to learn how to manage the guilt of our own failures. Because I guarantee you, if every one of you would, uh, uh, we started the ambassadors the other, last night, and it was, uh, we used to do this joke on guys, if they were late to a meeting, we'd be in a meeting, and, and someone would walk in late, and we'd say, okay, hey, man, we just finished going around telling the worst thing we've ever done. It's your turn. And they'd be like, uh, I don't, I don't want to tell you the worst thing I've ever done. And, and I'll tell you, if we all got up here and said the worst thing we'd ever done, we'd be embarrassed. Even me. Especially me. See, sometimes Satan hits us with guilt. And David, he, he, he keeps teaching us how to handle the guilt of our own failures. What does guilt do? Guilt destroys our confidence, doesn't it? It destroys our confidence in the Lord. It destroys our, our confidence in, 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 in serving the Lord. And I'll tell you, I, I, I would guess that some of you walked in this room today, and if you were honest about your life, you feel really guilty about past mistakes. And Satan wants you to remain in that guilt. But guilt robs you of your confidence. Guilt also, it damages our relationships. Have you noticed this? That, that when you are guilty about something, you're, and you're guilty about your past mistakes, your relationships are da damaged, that's exactly what, what David did. I mean, David is grieving over his son Absalom. This is the first time, in his, if you trace his life and his story, he has been an absent father to Absalom. He's been a terrible dad. Absalom rebelled just to try to get his dad's attention, and David kept pushing him away. And it took his death for David to go, oh my goodness, I have failed as a father. And he's crying out, Absalom, my son, my son. And see, guilt damaged his relationships. And, and I don't know, I, often I've seen this. Guilt makes us respond to people in ways that aren't healthy, right? Have you seen somebody that, that has blown up like an atomic bomb explosion over a little firecracker a uh, little, like, cutting you off in traffic, and then someone explodes and, like, road rage happens, you know? I mean, that's happened to us. And, and really, most of that is our own struggles. Guilt ruins relationships. What, is that, what else does guilt do? It keeps us stuck in the past. And this is where Dave, this is the lesson of David. You see in chapters 19 through 21, he is stuck in his past. And he's struggling. And so often we have this tendency to live in the past. It's like when I was teaching our kids how to drive. I, and, and I was like, hey, glance in the rearview mirror, but don't stare into the rearview mirror, right? Because if you stare into the rearview mirror when you're driving, you're going to crash. Same is true with life. If you're here today and you keep looking back at your failures, back at your mistakes, you never look forward. 
at what God's doing in your life. And see, what does guilt do? It keeps us stuck in the past. And, 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 and you know, the truth is, it makes your present miserable and, and you just can't follow the Lord. And you see in this passage of chapter 19 that David is, is really stuck in his past. And, and I learned a long time ago from my pastor, from Mark Hartman, who was a mentor in my life. And he helped me, he, he pushed me to write things down. He was always saying, Chris, you are write it down. Put it to pen. You know, one of the things you can do, I've learned from Mark, is that if you're stuck in your past, you know, here's a good practice. You ought to write this down. Um, you, ought to, you ought to take a personal inventory. When's the last time you sat down, and if you're dealing with guilt or past sins in your life, when's the last time you sat down and said, I'm going to write out kind of what, what the Lord thinks. What, what, what are my fears? What, are my, what do I feel guilty about? Let's put it to paper. You, you know, I've, I've done this. And I've asked the Lord, Lord, help me in, in my life to, to put something to pen. That, that help, help me examine my life. I think about Lamentations 3.40 that says, let us examine our ways and test them. I mean, God is constantly moving us to examine our lives. I, I, I love what David wrote in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me or test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in your everlasting way. When's the last time you sat down and said, God, I'm gonna, I need to meet with you. Show me about this sin and my struggles and, and, my, and my, my tendencies to rebel against you. Put it to pen. And the reason I think it's important to write it down is because, because it, it makes it clear for you. I found that it's, it's different, it's, it's, it's more in-depth to just say, oh, Lord, I'm broken, I need your help, to, Lord, I need your help with this, and, and I messed up here and, and here, and this gives you the opportunity to put it down on paper. I want to challenge you to be specific about this. Write it down. So, you know, when you think about um, dealing with your, examining your life, what that helps you to do, it, it not only helps you put it to paper, but it helps you accept responsibility for your faults. I would argue that this is one of the greatest problems in, our, in America today, right? We want to blame somebody else for our own failures. And, and you know what? Before we point fingers at somebody else, let's, you know, when you're pointing at somebody else, you have Three fingers pointing back at you, right? Remember? Let's, let's look at, yeah, I guess you can do it that way, and then it's better. Um, but if you're honest, when you, you got to examine your own faults. And this is where David was, was in the middle of this. I mean, Proverbs 20, 27 says, The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. And, and I've got to always remember that when things aren't going well in my life or when I am, am, am struggling with something, I need to first of all look at how I'm contributing to the problem. And this is where David was, I think. And, and and here's the tendency, here's the lesson that we've got to understand. When David sinned with Bathsheba, what did he do? He rationalized sin. And let me tell you something, we should never rationalize sin in our lives. As believers, we should never think sin's okay. And this is so many, this is the result of so many problems in the church and why so many churches are paralyzed in the communities that they're planted in because people rationalize sin and they say, you know what, it's not that big a deal. They minimize sin. They say, you know, oh, look, 
this really won't harm me. And folks, this is why I pray we are a church family that is honest about our own sin, our own failures. That's where David is living. And we don't blame others. You know, John, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Folks, I think it's important for us to accept responsibility for our faults. But then what, what did David do? What do we do? David was constantly going to the Lord saying, God, I need you to forgive me. See, when I get my sins and my struggles on paper and I can see them, and when I'm honest about that, and I go to the Lord and say, Lord, would you forgive me? Guess what? Guess what I find? Guess what you will find? You will find that God is completely reliable. He is completely reliable to forgive your sins and meet you where you are. I have known so many people. I have been. I am one of those people who even when I made my own, I weaved my own bed and I had to sleep in it. God helped me through it. And here's what you'll find is that Isaiah 118, no matter how deep the stain of your sin, he makes you whiter than snow. And this is the beauty of God, and this is what David came to understand in Psalm 51. Now, now it didn't take away the consequences, and this is what you, you can't escape. As you look at the story of Samuel, David had to face the consequences of sin. And let me tell you, if you uh, in your marriage say, I'm going to leave my wife or I'm going to leave my husband, there will be consequences of that. If you, if you are going to get involved in something you know is not right, there will be consequences of that. But when you face him and you come to the Lord, he'll help you. So let's come to him. Let's allow, allow him to help you. But I want you to see this, and David teaches us this. The story of his life teaches us that God's grace is greater than our sin. And you may look at me and say, hey, preacher, you don't know what I've done. Oh, you don't know how big God is and how, how big he is. My favorite praise song ever was written by Christy Knuckles. It says, how big you are. A voice could never tell. Earthly eyes could never see all that you can be. And yet you take the time to walk me through the chaos of my life. Your grace overwhelms me. God, how big you are. And I want you to know his grace is greater than your sin. To overcome past failures. Go to the Lord. If you're here today and you're stuck in your past failures like David is, go to the Lord. You'll find him reliable. You'll find his forgiveness complete. But to overcome past failures, you know what else you see? You see this point too is this. You, you, you accept help from God's people. Look at this interesting, look at verse 5. It says this. Then Joab, Joab is his is the guy that was David's commander. Joab comes, came into the house to the king and said, you have today covered shame 
covered with shame the faces of all your servants who have this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and your concubines because you love those who hate you and hate those who love you. For you have made it clear today that the commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now therefore arise and go out and speak kindly to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go, not a man will stay with you this night, and this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. Now, do you feel the heat there? You feel that? What is, day, what is Joab doing? Joab's going to the king, and he's not going, oh, I don't want to hurt your feelings. David, I know you're sad. It is okay. No. He goes to the king and is like, what are you doing? Get your rear up and get out there. Wake up. I'll tell you what. To overcome past failures, you've got to accept help from God's people. God is going to provide people in your life. This is why, the, this is why we cannot, uh, online is a great opportunity to, to connect with people, and we're going to do that. But, but let me tell you something. You've got to move from online to in person. You've got to do that. Why? Because we need to look one another in the eye. We've got to be able to be in one another's lives. We can hide digitally. You can hide. But I'll tell you what, you can't hide face-to-face. David couldn't hide from Joab. And, and so look, James 5.16. I want you to turn over there real quick. James chapter 5, verse 16. And uh, it says this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful and effective. Now, part of what James is saying, that we've got to confess our own faults. That's part of that. Confess your sins to one another. But, but also part of what James is saying is if you're going to overcome your past, you need accountability in your life. And folks, let me tell you I, want you, I want you to look at your life today. Do you have somebody that cares enough for you that will get into your grill, if you will, that will get in your way and even offend you? if you're heading on the, on the wrong path. Look, that's why we gotta be in church together. That's why we gotta be in life together. That's why small groups are critical. That's why Brad Ayler and, and their team is working hard to, to build our small groups. Because we need to be, uh, you can't just come into this room and look at the back of someone's head. You gotta have somebody that's looking you in the eye. You gotta have somebody that, 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 when, that you can't fake out. That you can't say, oh, I'm doing good, brother. No, 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 you're not. Come on. Let's push one another. Without apology, we've got to be a church that pushes one another to godliness, to obedience. I'll tell you what, even just dealing with our own racism, you've got to listen to my wife's podcast. I don't know when you're going to drop that one, but Friday, Friday. Uh, KJ and Cambry were interviewed. KJ's our drum, drum, was drumming today. They, they, they talked about racism and what they have gone through. And, and I'll tell you, we need to hear that. 
You should all listen to that if you're watching. It's all, there's a link on our website to the Afraid Not podcast. It's a long women's podcast. It's okay. Just drive around a long time. But, but it's something... It's good, babe. I'm sorry. It's a good podcast. It's great. Uh, it's just a little longer than... I, never mind. Um, um, but look... We need, a, we need accountability. We need, to ex, we need to hear that message. Because there are times that we have racism that creeps into our life that, that's there that we don't even want to admit. And so accountability is critical. And that's what James is talking about is accountability partners. I think about my life. Uh, I mean, I guarantee you, though Joab had his issues, he had some issues. He made some mistakes too. But, but the reality is, Joab was in David's life. He needed it. I can look back at my journey. I mean, I think about Brad. When we, were in, we, were, we lived together in college, and we were off campus, and, and, and I was dating Robin. Brad was dating Kelly. And I'm grateful that in that college house where no, I don't think my parents even came to that house, maybe. Maybe once. But we were on our, on our own. But we had such accountability in our, among our brothers that none of our girlfriends could stay the night at our house in college. That wouldn't have flown. It wouldn't have worked. And folks, we need accountability in our lives. And do you have that? Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Do you, do you have accountability in your life? Look at that. Like what, what kind of accountability partner do you need? Well, someone you can trust. That's something you need, someone you can trust. You gotta, you gotta be able to have, I mean, you have it. You have someone in your life that you could trust right now. And if you don't, get involved in a small group and you will. Um, someone who genuinely loves you. Someone that's not gonna freak out when, they, when you, they hear your dirty laundry. Guess what? We all have dirty laundry. You need someone who's mature enough to handle your failures. That's not gonna put it on Twitter or TikTok. I don't know, whatever you guys watch. That's a dance thing, right? That'd be weird. Um, but look, someone who can handle your struggles, you can trust. Someone who, who's wise in God's word. You, you need this. We need this. We need accountability. And to overcome past failures, we need to recognize the incredible help that we have in God's people. And that's, as you look at this narrative of 2 Samuel 19 through 21, as you look at David's life all through this book, all through the mess, you see God's people coming and saying, look, David, we're with you. And that's true for you too. We gotta see this. To overcome past failures, accept helps from God's people. Lastly, to overcome past failures. And this is one of the hardest things. To accept God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. Look, we live in a world 
that struggles to forgive. Why? I think it's because we don't know forgiveness. But when you know forgiveness, when you have been forgiven by the Lord, that compels you to forgive others. How could I hold a grudge against somebody else if, because I've been forgiven. Look, there, I just feel led to say this. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Is there someone in your life that you're holding a grudge against? Look, maybe you're struggling to forgive because you can't forgive yourself for your own mistakes. And I just want you to hear this. And David really got this eventually. And you see it in his psalms that he wrote. You see it in the totality of his life. And it's so interesting that God gives us such a big picture of David's life. You see the psalms. He learned to experience the forgiveness of God. But it wasn't easy. And I want you to recognize that that you could accept God's forgiveness. And if God forgives you, why can't you forgive yourself of mistakes that you've made? You know, we do a Bible study that we've been off with, with fre- but we're getting ready to start back with freshmen and sophomore kids at our house. Juniors now. Oh my goodness. Never mind. They're older now. Um, but but you know, we've been memorizing, working to memorize Romans 8. You know what Romans 8 says? Starts out, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Every one of us in this room have failed miserably. But the grace of God tells us there is no condemnation. Psalm 103.12, you know that verse, right? As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your transgressions from you. You know, I'm, at one o'clock today, we're picking my daughter and my new son-in-law up from the airport from their honeymoon. They're flying from Florida. And you know what? If you get on an airplane and you leave Florida and you fly east to Oklahoma, and if you keep flying east, guess what will happen? You'll eventually, if you fly long enough and have enough gas, you'll get all the way back around to Florida and you never stop going east. If you go west, wait. I think, let's let's flip that, okay? I'm directionally challenged right now. She's coming west, but if you go east, sorry, most of you airline guys going, yeah, our pastor, he doesn't, he's an idiot. Yeah, you're right, see? But if you go east, 
you go east forever. If you go west, you go west forever. God could have said, as far as the north is from the south. See, if you go north, there we go. You're eventually going to go south. But God didn't say that. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes your sin from you. Psalm 32, 1 and 2, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, in whose spirit there is no deceit. So folks, God's forgiveness is complete. And when you look at this narrative of David stuck in his sin, Some of you may have walked in the room today and you're like, I'm stuck by the mistakes of my past. Well, come to the Lord. Come to God's people. Experience the forgiveness and the help that the Lord offers to you. Now, where does that begin? It begins with that moment of salvation. That moment that that you come to Christ as your Savior. And maybe there's some in this room or some watching online that that's never happened to you. Oh, I, I, I just wish you would know what it's like to be forgiven. I wish so badly that, that, that I could just put my heart in you for just a second and help you experience that forgiveness that God offers. Oh, to know forgiveness changes your life, changes your perspective. It moves you. Uh, if you don't know Christ, don't go another day without him. Come to him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. For those of you that know forgiveness, oh, come on. Let me remind you today that his forgiveness is complete and God is completely reliable. And he'll take your sin away. He'll help you through the chaos in your life and the comfort that he gives you. You will one day be able to comfort others in that journey. Oh, folks, we need each other. That's why we have got to, like every church, it's time to rebuild our church. It's time, folks. It's time to rebuild. Because that's where we are. That's where every church is in this moment. It is time to rebuild. So let's get after it. Let's rebuild. And let's trust the Lord. Let's be the church that God's called us to be. And oh my goodness, we're about to also get to do it in Spanish. Too. Where are you today? How has God spoken to you today? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an invitation. And if you're online, I, I want you to know there's a way to respond. And you can, there's someone right now typing, hey, I'm here to help you. And, and look, don't just watch on a screen and miss what the Lord is doing right now in your life. Reach out. For us here, our altars are open. My wife's going to be down front. 
And some of our staff is gonna, they're gonna be down front. Misa, I want you to come down front. And we're here to receive you, help you. Maybe there's somebody in the room that you just need to go to and go, hey, look, I don't need to go pray right now. I need to go to you and say, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to go out the room and call somebody and go, hey, I'm sorry. Let's just allow the Lord to move us. Let's not allow the Lord to, to break down the barriers of our lives and not worry about what somebody thinks. Let's get, guess what? We all are in need of the grace of God. So would you stand where you are? If you're online, would you? I'm going to pray. And our invitation is going to begin. Lord Jesus, would you move us right now? I thank you for this story. I thank you for this narrative. I thank you for David's struggle. Because, Father, I thank you for the struggle of your people here. Lord, you brought them through it. Lord, you helped. And you have been faithful generation after generation. And, Lord, we know that you're, you're the same Yesterday, today, and forever. So, Father, thank you for this grace and mercy. May we overcome even our own failures. Would you help us, Lord? Would you help us not to remain stuck in our past? Lord, move us, lead us. In Jesus' name, move us now. Amen.